This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Isn't it a great day to be in church? What a great time. Connecting with God. And uh, for those of you who are brand new this morning, there's a couple of things you should know about New Life. New New Life is a place of great connection with God. You may have come expecting to find religious people. Hopefully you will have found much more than that. You will have found people who have an honest, open, and life-changing relationship with the God who created us. And that's our prayer. This is, this is also a place of great spiritual development. Not that we can uh, sort of just achieve something like spiritual enlightenment. But life is meant to be a journey with God, not just a journey of discovery, a journey with God. And 2011 is going to be a year of great spiritual development for everyone who chooses to come and be part of New Life. So if this is your first time here, I hope that uh, what you hear this morning resonates in your spirit as truthful because it's based on God's Word. And I hope that it touches something in your heart that you say, you know, I want to be a part of that journey. Because I want to connect with God in this year. And, and I really want to learn how to live my life in a place of great connection with God. We work on one other thing. And that is, we actually work to set up the coming generation for success. So we work not only on our own spiritual development, but we work on the spiritual development of our families and of our children. And even while we are in here this morning, there are people, volunteers, who are working with your children, working with my grandchildren, and helping them get set up for success in life so that they understand that they were created by a loving God who has a great desire for them to go through life in a place of spiritual connection with Him and eventually that He will give them eternal life. So we welcome you along on that process. My name is Ron. I'm one of the staff members here at New Life, and we are blessed with a great staff. You've already met Kevin this morning. You've uh, already met Justin. He might not have introduced himself, but uh, he's the guy who was playing guitar over here and leading us in worship. He and Maria as well. Justin is on staff, and I'm privileged to be able to serve with them and with other people as well on our staff. And uh, so we're going to jump right in. So let me help you with a couple of things this morning. If you pull out from your program this single sheet of paper that has fill in the blank notes, it will help you follow along and it will be a learning experience for you. And I would encourage you to take the pencil that's right there at your chair and uh, fill in the blanks as we go along. I'm going to give you a couple of learning exercises and things to write on there besides the words that are missing in the blanks. And if you will take the time this week to go home and read through it at least once during the week, it really will make a difference in your life. And so I would invite you uh, to do that as we get started. Now, we're going to go straight uh, to the Bible. We're starting a brand new series of sermons. It's called Level 4 Living. And uh, we're going to break that out for you. But I want to tell you something. When we're done, this sermon series is 11 weeks long. So it'll be this Sunday and 10 more weeks. Uh, When we're done with this particular sermon series, the material is going to be written in life group curriculum form, and it's going to be a life group called Foundations. So we're talking about all the basic fundamental stuff that's really good for everyone who lives, and it's going to form our membership class 
so that in the future, people who want to become members of the church will go through that life group, and then they'll become members after that. So you guys are getting the sneak peek. Do you feel privileged or what? There you go. Here we go. So let's go straight to God's Word. And here's one of the fundamental things that Jesus teaches us. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, speaking of you and me, the people of this earth, and have it how? To the full. Would you circle to the full? Because one of the themes you're going to hear me talking about this morning is fullness of life. Because that's a drive that's in the heart of every single person who lives. I don't want to just live. I want to experience fullness of life, maximum life, if I possibly can. There's two things that we can learn out of this. And the first is this. Jesus came. He said it. He came so that we could live life at its fullest level. If you ever wondered why Jesus left heaven and came to earth, if you ever wondered why there was a Christmas, if you, under, if you ever wondered why there was an Easter, Jesus says it right there. If you want to know why I was born on this earth, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. He came so that we would ha- experience life at its fullest. There's a one-sentence summary of Jesus' life given by Jesus himself. Second thing we can learn from this And this is an interesting logical conclusion. When we live life at any level less than its best, we are what? Wasting some or all of Jesus' life. Is that a sobering thought? Shake your head like this. That, my friends, is a very sobering thought. Have you ever wondered how much of Jesus' life you've wasted? I, you know, when I was writing the sermon and God was giving me the insights and so forth... I realized, oh my goodness, there have been periods in my life where I lived in such a way that I was literally throwing away a portion of the life of Jesus because my agenda, I thought, was more important than his. And, you know, I stopped in the middle of making the message and said, God, forgive me of that. And would you help me in 2011 not to waste a single day, a single moment of Jesus' life? So that's the first teaching. Let's go to Bible teaching number two. And here it is. Jesus said, what do you benefit? Now, Jesus turns into an accountant here, okay? And he's talking about profit and loss. What do you benefit in your life if you gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer, and that is, no, there's nothing worth more than your soul. And what we're going to talk about over the next weeks, the 11 weeks, is really soul health. Because it's impossible to experience maximum life without having a healthy soul and a well-nurtured soul. So let's learn two things out of this. And the first is our spiritual nature is primary. Our physical nature is secondary. Now, Kevin talked with us this morning, uh, just before communion, about the paradoxes of Christianity and following Christ. Here's one of those things that when you look around us, you would assume that the physical world is more important than the spiritual. So we send our children to, to go to college to make an education so they can earn a living. So they can buy all the physical things in this world. And then somewhere along the line, we say to them, you know, have you ever thought about God? And Jesus said, you know, that's really backwards. Because the idea that we have to come to know and understand... By the way, if you think things that are secondary are primary, and you think things that are primary are secondary, are you going to have a tough time? 
Any football fans out there? Yeah, okay. It, it, it's, it's kind of football heaven right now. But when a, when a coach goes into a game, if he thinks something is secondary in importance to winning the game, but it actually turns out to be primary, is that going to be a fun day for him? That will not be a fun day. And when he's interviewed after the game, he will say, you know, I wish we would have, and then he will have known at that point what was really primary. You know, the great thing about God is he doesn't make you go through life and guess about what's primary and what's secondary. Jesus wrapped it up right there. And he said, what are you profited if you gain the whole world, lose your own soul? You have to understand that soul health is more important than anything you can accomplish or accumulate in this life. Second principle that comes out of this is another logical conclusion. And that is, if you and I want fullness of life, then we will find it not through the accumulation of things or accomplishments, but we will find it through spiritual growth and development. Because that's where fullness of life is found. Now you know the interesting thing about us, all of us as human beings, is we would far rather be spoiled than actually feel good. Did you know that? That's why we eat cookies and watch TV instead of eating healthy and working out. Because we eat the cookies and watch TV even though we know it's not that good for us, but we would rather be spoiled than what? Feel good. And yet we know that if we were to eat right and work out, we would have less pain, greater mobility, and we'd probably live longer and feel better. Can I tell you that that doesn't just end with cookies and TV? When it comes to our spiritual health, oftentimes we would rather be spoiled than actually feel good and do the things that it takes to grow spiritually. And so Jesus puts it right out there on the bottom line. If you want fullness of life, then you've got to invest in spiritual development. Passage number three, I'm sorry. Passage number three is this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let God's Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. Kevin said to us earlier that when we encounter the living God, He will bring us to a place of decision. And you can see in that passage, there is a decision to make. I have an old nature, and if I've decided to follow Christ, I have a new nature. But when I get up every morning, I have to decide which one of those to put on. And actually, several times during the day, because it's really, it's really easy in a day to start out with a good nature and somebody does something that makes you mad and you throw off the good nature and you put on the old nature because you want to take care of that, right? We've all done that. And the next thing you know, I started out in my new nature and, and, and by five o'clock that night, I can't even find it because I've cast it off. And Jesus says, no, you got you, you to gotta do this a different way. There's two things we can learn from this too. The first one is this. Fullness of life is found in living like Jesus. You know, it's amazing how many people respect Jesus. But it's also amazing how many of us 
If I were to say to you, if I were to say even to this audience this morning, fullness of life is found in living like Jesus, completely like Jesus, okay? How many of you are ready to take that on this morning and for the rest of your life, that's all you want? You want to live exactly like Jesus. You're going to treat other people the way he treats them. You're going to love everybody the way he loved them. You're going to forgive people the way he forgave them. You're going to treat everyone exactly as he did. I'm amazed at how many people love Jesus, but not all excited about being like him. Yeah. The truth is, those of us who have faith enough in what God says to believe what he says in his word, those, those who are willing to do that end up experiencing fullness of life because they learn to live like Jesus and everybody else who kind of picks and chooses the parts of Jesus' life that, re- that they'd really like to be like, well, they only get that little bit of Jesus. And the rest of his life, they have what? Wasted. Yeah. Principle number two that comes out of this. His fullness of life, then, requires great effort from us. It does. Requires great effort. Is it natural to be like Jesus? What do you think? Have you ever confused yourself with Christ? I never have. Nowhere close, right? I've never confused any of my kids with Jesus. I've never confused my wife. She's a wonderful lady, but I've never confused her with Jesus. And I'm pretty sure she's never confused me with Jesus. Because the truth is, living like Christ is counterintuitive to all of us. It's good for us, but it's counterintuitive. That's why it takes faith to do this. If it was natural, we'd all do it, correct? Yeah, it takes great effort. So, with that in mind, then let's, let's look at a spiritual continuum. That's going to be very good for us, and it's right here behind me. I'm a visual person, and so if I can do this without knocking it over, we'll have a good time with this. The truth is, everyone in the audience this morning is in one of these four categories. And let's start with level number one, which is... Exploring Christ. Let me give you some descriptors of following Christ, of exploring Christ. People that are in this category are people who believe that there's a God. There are people that are not sure about all the claims of Jesus. They probably think Jesus is a great teacher, maybe the greatest teacher who ever lived, maybe the most impacting teacher who ever lived, but they're not sure that he was actually God in the flesh. They're not sure that when he gave his life on the cross that it actually paid for the sins of the whole world. They're not sure about all that stuff, but they're exploring Christ. There are people in this room this morning who are exploring Christ. I think that's great. I think that's absolutely fabulous. Because in a healthy church, there should always be people in in every single stage of this continuum. Because it's through exploring Christ that we get to know him and then we get to trust Him. So there's, there's stage number one, which is exploring Christ. Now, now in, in this continuum, stage number two is growing in Christ. 
Once I reach a point where I say, okay, I now know that the claims of Christ are true. I now know that I want to receive forgiveness from Christ. So I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to become a follower of Christ. I'm going to ask for his forgiveness. And I'm going to ask him to come into my life and to begin to change my life so he can make me like him. So I take that step and that propels me into level two, which is growing in Christ. Now, if you could think of of this as sort of pre-birth, Jesus talked about being born again to come into the kingdom, and this is infancy, this is pre-birth. Well, you know what happens to babies? They grow very quickly, don't they? Sure they do. They can double their body weight in a, in a period of just a few weeks. And, and, and I mean, they're, they're putting it on. But the interesting thing about that growth, I mean, they are changing, 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 and when you don't see, when you see a newborn and they're one week old and you don't see them for a month, do they look different? They look amazingly different. When you don't see them for three or four months, do they look different? Well, they look, again, amazingly different because they are experiencing rapid growth and rapid change. That's all good, that's all normal, and that's all healthy. But there's something you need to know about that growth. There's a lot of flesh, but not a whole lot of muscle. Right? Yeah. Because I call that soft growth. Again, it's good, it's healthy, but it's not firm. And that's what happens in this particular area. When we first become Christians, God goes to work right away on many things about our life. For some of us, he went right to work on our vocabulary because it was miles from where it should have been, right? And so God began to change our vocabulary. And for others of us, God went right to work on some habits that we had in our life that were, that were just terrible and they were unhealthy. And so he went to work on those. And for some of us, he went to work on our anger. And for some of us, he went to work on our marriage. I mean, the list goes on and on. But in this growing in Christ stage, we experience tremendous behavioral change. We are a follower of Christ. But we struggle to live like him because it's new to us. Just like life is new to a baby. But if we stay in that and we grow and we're healthy, then we move to level three. And level three is where we get actually close to Christ. And I call this the teenage years or the adolescent years. Because do adolescents change quite a bit? Yes, they do. And the growth that they put on, it's far more solid than the growth that a baby puts on. They put on real muscle. And, and, and they take on, they begin to take on the form of adulthood. And people who are in this stage of, of, of the spiritual continuum, they see Jesus as their assistant in life. They go to him for assistance because they recognize that Jesus is there to help them. And they consult him on most important decisions in life because they have a desire to do God's will, recognizing that God's will for them is better than their own will for them. They enjoy working in ministry because they have now come to a point where they recognize that if they give their life away in service to other people, they feel better than if they spend their life all on themselves. So they're starting to experience the real joy of life change. And you think, what could possibly be beyond that? Well, there is level four, and level four is living a Christ-centered life. And what's the difference here? Well, the difference here is that for people in level three, they go to church 
most Sundays when it's mostly convenient for them. Or if they, if they have a devotional time in their day, they, they, they do it, well, kind of whenever they feel like doing it. They recognize it's good, and when, when the pastor speaks on it, why, they do it for several days in a row after that. And then it just sort of wanes because now they want to be close to Christ, but they don't really have a Christ-centered life. But those who believe Christ to the point that they have a Christ-centered life, they're passionate about meeting with Christ every day. It's a rare day when they don't meet with Christ. Why? Because the thoughts and concerns of Christ in His kingdom consume their life. It's not that they don't have another job. They have another job. It's not that they don't have other responsibilities in life. They have other responsibilities in life. But when they get up in the morning, what occupies their mind is not whether they're going to go golfing that day. It's not whether whatever things that they have to do at work. Yes, they'll be excited about going golfing, especially if they're me. And, 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 they, will, you know, and, and they will be responsible at work But in the background of their life and the foundation of their life is what does God want to do through me today? And that's level four living. Now, how does that translate here at New Life? Let's take a look at two goals that God has given us in 2011. The first goal is this. It's important that we call everyone to level four for living, okay? We want to equip and challenge each one of us to, to get up here. By the way, if living here and living here and living here, in effect, is wasting some or, or all of Jesus' life, any church that's worth anything would call all of its attenders to go here, correct? Yeah, anything less than that, we would be living less than our potential, And every church should call all of its people to live at that level. But the reality is, in a healthy church, there are going to be people all along this continuum because some of you are brand new to Christianity today. Somebody invited you and you said, okay, I'll come and and I'll take a look. And this might be your first day in church in a long, long, long time or maybe ever in your life. Well, it's not realistic to think that you're going to jump from here to here in one Sunday. That's just not going to happen. It wouldn't be healthy. If a child was born, right, and two days after it was born, it said, I need to be an adult, and it became an adult, would that be a little unnatural? Yeah, because we would recognize that there's, that there's a natural growth process, and there is a natural growth process. But I want you to know this. Unlike children, it doesn't take 20 years to get from here to here. It can take much less time than that if you have a real heart and passion for it. You're not going to get there in a week. You're not going to get there in three weeks. You're not going to get there in three months. But you could get a long ways on that continuum in a year. Okay? So I want you to know, without apology and with great excitement, we are calling all of us and challenging us and equipping us, not with guilt, but just with the joy of experiencing fullness of life to go to level four, which is, what's the title of the sermon series? Level four living for that reason. Now, here's a secondary goal that we have, and that is to see each one of us move to the next level during 2011. So this morning, if you're here exploring Christ, 
then our goal for you and God's goal for you would be that somewhere in 2011, you move from level one to level two. If you're a level two person and you're brand new in Christ and, 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 and you're growing like a baby, then we would, we would encourage you in 2011 to go from level two to level three and from level three to level four and from level four to where? Level four, you have a wonderful opportunity. There's a lot of room to grow here. By the way, most of us would consider that we became adults somewhere between 18 and 22, correct? Okay, that's liberal for some of us, all right? (laughs) We would like to think that we did. But the truth is, once we became adults, were we all done learning and growing and developing? No, no. But we were adults. And we had responsibility. And one of the biggest differences between level four and level three is when you get to be an adult, it is expected of you that you would reach back to, to the people in these stages and you would help them along. Isn't that what adults are supposed to do? We're supposed to help children. We're supposed to help teenagers. We're supposed to draw people along and bring out the best in them. And so for those who are in level four, this should be a year of great spiritual growth and development, but also of investing our lives in ways that draw other people along on that continuum. So that's what it looks like. Now, how is that going to happen? Well, there are three components that take place in this, and you have to have all three of them. And I'll move through them rather quickly. And the first component is God's design. Because if you and I are going to spiritually develop, we're going to develop in alignment with what God says, not counter to what God says. It's impossible for God to go this direction, me to go that direction, and for me to spiritually develop over here. This isn't going to happen. It's, it's moving with God. I've got to participate in the context of God's design. Secondly, there, there, I have a responsibility. There are my responsibilities. God's not going to do it for me. He's going to provide the information I need, and He's going to provide the strength to do what I need and the ability to do what I need, but God's not going to do it for me. I know that we would love, I know that they, what is that thing that you can get that vibrates your waist so that you can sit and watch TV and supposedly it shrinks your waist, right? It's a workout on the couch or something like that. Sorry, there are none of those from God, all right? He'll give you what you need, but you have responsibilities of your own. And then third, there is the church's role. God designed the church to really help you understand his design and to give you the tools that you can use in order to fulfill your responsibilities so you can grow and develop spiritually, which is why God designed for all of us to develop spiritually in the context of a church. So a little bit later on, not this morning, but later on the sermon series, we're going to be taking a look at that. But the first, the next four messages in this sermon series are going to be about God's design. The following three messages are going to be about uh, your responsibilities and mine, and the final two messages are going to be about the church's role. So we're going to look at those all very carefully. But I want to tell you this. I have recently taken up the hobby of baking. Not a good thing when you want to lose weight. But anyway, (laughs) I can tell you that there's a very simple formula for baking delicious-tasting shortbread cookies. I know. They are... One part sugar, two parts butter, and three parts flour. Okay? Now I want you to think about this for a minute. If you're going to bake some shortbread cookies and you think, I'm into sugar, 
And I'm into butter, but I'm not into flour. So you say, I'm just going to go with the sugar and the butter. What are you going to get? A mess. Correct? And if you did the same with any of the other ingredients, if you left any one of them out, you're going to get a mess. By the way, if you don't understand God's design, and you don't include that in how you grow and develop spiritually, if you decide, I'm into God's design, I'm into the church's role, but not real big on my own responsibilities, you understand how that's going to work? That's not going to work either. Okay? So you have to know that. But I want to give you one other twist to it. And that is, what if you decide, I'm not really into sugar, okay? Not, uh, or I'm not really into flour. I've got a gluten problem. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do one cup of flour, two cups of butter, and three cups of sugar. Because I like sugar better than flour. What do you got? A mess. Because if you expect God to do what is your responsibility, it won't work. Or if you expect the church to do what is your responsibility, it won't work. Or if you look to the church to supply things in your life that only God can, it won't work. You understand? They all have to go together. Those are the three components. So as, as we draw everything to a close, I, I want to give you an object lesson. And, and I, I, I hope that it makes a whole lot of sense to you. Okay? In this jar, I have three large rocks. And they represent the three components. God's design. They represent my responsibility and the church's role. In this jar, I have rocks that represent all the other responsibilities that you and I have in life. The responsibilities of work, the responsibilities of of children, the responsibilities of family, the responsibilities of being a good citizen in the community, of being a good co-worker, and all the rest of those. And in this jar, I have birdseed. Isn't that fun? Because birdseed represents all the fun things that we like to do in life. Okay? Now, you know how we are by nature. If there's anything I don't want to miss out on, it's what? Fun. All right. So we start out, we say, I got to make sure I get fun in my life. So we empty it in there. And then we think, okay, what's next? Well, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I got to have all these responsibilities. I tried, you know, after college, I tried not getting a job and living off my parents. That didn't work very well either. So then one by one, we take these responsibilities and we start to add them in our life. As we grow up and mature and we think, I got to get a job. I got to take care of my kids. I got a wife now. I, I, I've got to make sure that all of them are where they belong. We, we want to go on family vacations, so I got to save for family vacations. And so we just start adding responsibilities in our life. And the more we live as adults, the more we realize there's a lot of these, aren't there? There really are. In fact, sometimes we get overwhelmed by these. And when we're finally done accepting them, we think, golly, I don't know how I can function. And then someone comes along and says, you know something? The real answer to life is found in spiritual development. And so they hand us these three big rocks, and we think, okay, i got to put those in my life. And so we put them in there, and we're going, you know, I can't get these all to fit, Right? And no matter how we shake, they won't go down in. But the truth is, if we start in the right order, 
and we take the three big rocks and say, above all else in my life, I'm going to put in spiritual development. And I'm going to accept what is God's design. And I'm going to accept what is my responsibility and what the church's role is. And then we start adding in the other responsibilities that we have in this life. We don't neglect any of them because they're all very important. Family's important. Marriage is important. The job is important. Our parents are important. Our grandkids are important. Our co-workers are important. Working in charitable causes is important. And we just start packing this stuff in. Eventually, we get them all in there and then we say, boy, do I have any room left for fun? And the truth is, if... If we do it correctly, there's room for it all. And even a little left over. Now what I want you to know and what I want you to grasp this morning is the order in which we put it in. Because if we put spiritual development first, then we get fullness of life and it all fits. So, There's a little diagnostic tool that we want to use as we close. So if you would take your notes, and you will see that way back under spiritual continuum, do you see that there are some boxes there? There's a box beside level one, a box beside level two, a box beside level three, and a box beside level four. Okay? Here's what I want to ask you to do. Underneath each one, there are three three things listed. Uh, Level one, I believe in God. I'm checking out the claims of Jesus and I'm not yet chosen to become a Christian. If that's where you are this morning, then check that box. There's no shame in that. It's great that you're seeking after God. It's great that you're investigating the claims of Christ, and we want to encourage you on that journey. If you're at level two, okay, then you have already chosen to become a Christian. You're grateful to Jesus, but you find yourself struggling to live like Him, and you're experiencing changes in your behavior. And I won't read all the rest of them to you, but I'll give you a moment to fill that out because it's important. If you're going to take a step in 2011, you've got to know where you're starting, correct? So I want to pray for you. Lord, in this moment of time, would you speak to us in honesty? Would you show us where we are so that we might embrace that and say, thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm actually investigating the claims of Christ. Or, thank God I'm not where I used to be even though I was investigating the claims, now I am a Christian. Whatever it might be, Lord, would you speak to us clearly about that so that, like a GPS, we would know where we are before we learn how to get to where we need to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.